Where in the world did those that call themselves Christians come up with an idea that being a Christian means you tell people, I believe the Bible, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. I go to church on Easter, Christmas. Every once in a while, I give God a little money because I know he's poor and needs a little help. And, and, and we have this unbelievable self-centered attitude about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says right up front that narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. But yet today, in our attempt to broaden the tent, even though the Lord says narrow is the way, we have become less effective rather than more effective. As I have said to you over and over again in recent weeks, people are running away from the church as they see it like never before. Because the church has become so much like the world that we do a poor job of being worldly. And so they say, if I'm going to be worldly, I'm going to go where there's better worldly stuff. And Jesus' heart is broken by this. He gave his life to save sinners and not make make them saints, but to make them disciples. Because he needed help. He needed somebody to come along and help him do the work that he wants done around the world. Now, I want to read to you from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And this is a long chapter, but I will spend more time reading than I will in explaining. But listen carefully. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, listen, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. With a prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teaches on teaching, or he that encourages on encouragement. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one another, towards one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. 
If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus asked a hard question. He says, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I command? There are 49 commandments in the Bible. Not 10. There's 49 direct commandments. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you know what the, what the commandments are, and you obey them. You obey them. You don't know them. You obey them. You say, well, I can quote the 10, 10 commandments. Well, I've, I've told you there's 49, but in the Old Testament, well, I can quote, that's good. Now, how many of them do you live by? Do they make any difference? Because you see, when God touches a person, he says, old things pass away and everything becomes new. Let me tell you how it was before Jesus touched you. Same thing was true of me, of you, it's true of me. We were selfish, self-centered, wanted our own way. We in no wise wanted to obey anything or anybody. Parents had to discipline us, teachers, coaches. Yes, even as high as police and judges. Why? Because man is prone not to do good. We go to do evil. We don't think about others. We think of ourselves. All you got to do is make one trip down the Gulf Freeway and try to get in another lane. <laughs> and you'll find out that maybe one out of 10 will consider letting you get in if you'll move quick. But yet we go around because we're Americans, blessed like no nation on earth, with churches on every corner, and many of those churches are now closing their doors. I can tell you with all honesty that I spend time every single week talking to pastors of churches that are going down. They're falling away like you cannot believe. Why? Because the church has decided to compromise with the world and the world has accepted us and is destroying us. And the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate and teach your people what I want them to be. The Bible says, if you're going to follow me, you will be my disciple. Now, if you're not going to be my disciple, don't waste your time getting baptized or saying a prayer. Because that meant nothing other than another selfish move on your part to try to get things right again so that once they get right, you can go back in sin again. That won't work. That will not satisfy God. God has said, look, I picked you because you represent a part of the ministry that nobody else represents. You are in a world where I can use you for my glory. This morning, I just met two men from Open Door. They're here right now, several of them. They started coming to Sagemont about a year ago when Jay Louder was here for a revival. There have been dozens and dozens of these men come. Every single Sunday they come. And every single Sunday, these men are bringing other men to Jesus Christ. Two of them were saved this morning in the first service that I know about. I met these two with the one that brought them. That's their heart. Why? Because God has changed their life. They know what it's like out there in the world. They know what the world wants to do for them. Nobody says, I just want to thank the sweet old devil for all he's done for me. Not at all. But God has called them out. Now, God calls us into service when he saves us. 
And he wants us to know you are one of a kind. I got some people I want you to witness to that nobody else can witness to like you can. Now, this ought to get you excited. You see, in Luke chapter 6, 46, again, you know, don't call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 4. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for edifying the body of Christ. You know, a lot of people come to church on Sunday to get blessed. I'm going to go to church and get my blessing. That's a common thing. By the way, if you say, that's me, well, you're in the majority. I want to get blessed. But you know something? There's another group comes to church every Sunday to be blessing, to be a blessing. They come every single week, every single week. Today, over 1,000 of them are here today. They have come. Many of them got here at 6 o'clock this morning. Nobody paid them a nickel. Nobody bought their gasoline to come here. Nobody's paying for their time. Some of them will be the last ones that will walk off this campus today. The reason they're here is they want you and me to be blessed. They want you to receive something they received somewhere along the way. And what they received changed their life. And it not changed it for the worse, it changed it for the better. Whenever you go back and do your research, Martin Luther in the Protestant Reformation, he's the one that taught the, the uh, biblical concept of our Christianity and all being a vocation. In other words, that we are saved to serve. We're called out to go and to reach the people that are not called out. And that we're to use our spiritual gift for the glory of God. But here's a fact. Every believer is saved and born again to share the gospel with others and to serve others, period. Oh, I thought I saved so I could be a blessing to all the folks in heaven when I go there. No, sorry. I was saved and you were saved for one purpose or for two purposes that I mentioned. And that is we are saved and born again to share the gospel with the uttermost part of the world and to serve people. That's what we're here for. How you doing it? How you doing at it? Do you find yourself like most all of us do? I'm lacking. I miss an opportunity. I almost could. I had that opportunity. I could have, but I didn't. Listen to what Colossians 3.17 says. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, to the Father through him. In the Bible, there's a story. I'll not, not take the time to read it. I'll try to be brief in, in telling you the story. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. It's when the religious people brings the prostitute before Jesus and throws her down and tells Jesus about how bad she is. When he told them how bad she is, and Jesus let them talk, and he wrote something in the ground. It shocked those religious people. They couldn't believe what they were reading. I don't know what it said. We'll find out out in heaven. I'll tell you what he said to the lady. He said, I'm not going to condemn you. He said, I'm going to save you. I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to give you a brand new life. 
And here's the only thing I ask of you. There's the only thing you ask of her. I want you to go and sin no more. I want you to leave and follow me. I don't want you to leave and go back to your old world. I want you to leave and I want you to follow me. And I will use you. And that story has been used as much as any story in the Bible to bring tens of thousands, literally probably millions of people to Jesus since the time it was written. The testimony of this lady, because as far as we know, that's what she did. She went back and became living proof of a loving God to the people that knew her well. Those words, neither do I condemn you. You go and sin no more. This radiates in my spirit today because this is a good illustration of what I'm talking to you about today. Folks, people need Jesus. They don't need church. They need Jesus. The church means nothing to people that don't know Jesus. People need Jesus. They need to be forgiven. They need a new start. They need to be born again. They need to have a life that they feel like is worth living. And it all comes when somebody brings them the gospel, shares the gospel with them in some kind of a ministry, and from there, good things began to happen. But I say to you again for the third time this morning, a lot of rich religious people have zero idea what it means to follow Jesus. They don't know. They don't get it. They can't think outside their little box. Thank you, Jesus, for all you're doing for me. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. And by the way, this was another. I sure do. Thank you for this one, too. And I know, God, that all of this is about me. No, it's not. No, no, God, thank you for giving me an opportunity to share. Thank you for introducing me to this person. Thank you for taking me into this place. Thank you, Lord. Even that while I'm in my very difficult times, I've had a chance like Paul did when they locked him in jail. He won the jailer and half the people in the jail. They didn't want him in their jails after a while. And he's changing the whole bunch. He's turning the jails into churches. People run around all the time saying, I prayed the prayer. I'm glad you prayed the prayer. Well, I got baptized. I'm glad you got baptized. Now, have you been born again? Please understand, folks. Yes, we pray a prayer. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you got to want to be saved. What it means, I want to be saved doesn't mean I want to go to heaven. It means I want my life to change. I want a new life. I want my life turned around. I want to be what God put me here to be. I'm the best of something, and I don't know what it is because I sure haven't found it yet, but I'm going to find it. Because I'm going to follow you and the Lord say, look here, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. Let me tell you, I call on some of you all the time because you used to be in the world that I was never in. And we can get together and go and talk to somebody about the Lord and you can share your testimony. And boy, you can just see the Holy Spirit just come down and just do great and mighty things to people's lives. They say, preacher, you don't have any idea of the kind of life. No, I don't. And that's only by the grace of God that I had the joy of being raised in a Christian home. But that doesn't make me any better than anybody else. God just chose me to do that or chose, chose my home for me just like he chose yours for you. But he wants you to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Your world needs to see Jesus. And somebody has got to go back 
like the Apostle Paul went back that wrote much of the New Testament. If you're a new Christian, this man was on his way to murder Christians. He was going to go and take their life and God knocked him to the ground and spoke in his life, said, why are you doing this, Paul? You're not doing what I called you to do. And he called him out, changed his life, and his most powerful layperson that I think ever lived wrote again much of the New Testament. He did not come out of the seminary or born in a Christian home and came to church and Sunday school every Sunday. Quite the opposite. But he was born again. And some of the greatest preachers and the greatest writers and authors that you'll ever hear talk one day was living adamantly and strongly and intentionally in sin. But instant faith and instant new life, your way will never happen. It's God's way and God's way alone. But here's what I want you to know this morning before we go home. If you're saved, did you know that God wants you to be a minister? Oh, goodness, you mean I got to quit my job and go out and find a church? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Listen to me. I'm going to give you three things to try to do it real quickly. Number one, whenever you get saved, God has, gives you spiritual gifts. Those spiritual gifts are to be used for his glory. At your workplace, at school, on the football field, grocery store, riding down the freeway, wherever you are, God wants you to use that for his glory. He saved you to bless others. He saved you to be different from others. Now, others of you, he saved you to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And he has called you out, those that do the technology, those that, that do many, many different things around the church, like right now. For instance, let me just tell you, yesterday, before daylight, there were 25 people mowing the grass for us to enjoy it when we came in today. Later in that day, another group of people were leading one of the largest funerals Sagemont has ever had when Cliff Trainer, one of our deacons, former chairman of the deacons, has passed away. And this bottom floor here was probably three quarters filled as, as uh, we buried this man. Let me tell you who he was. He, he didn't get saved till about 20 years ago. He was 75 years old, worked for Continental Airlines. Half the auditorium probably was former employees. He ran the Houston Hub, has an incredible uh, uh, pedigree of his work. But let me tell you, this man got saved because his wife was watching Charles Stanley one time on television, gave her heart to the Lord, started witnessing to her husband. He saw the change in her life and they started coming to Sagemont Church. He sat out here for I don't know how many months and months and months. One day gave his heart to the Lord. And when he got saved, he got saved. And he spent every minute of his life being a blessing to somebody else. And many of the high-ranking people were here, but also the people that mowed the grass out here yesterday were here too because they were influenced by this man's life. He never said, you go do it. He said, let's go do it together. That was his life. And you see, that's what a church is. And when we fed that family yesterday afternoon, those were volunteers that did that, wanted to do that, just do anything in the world that they could minister to this family. This morning, before you got up, there was a parking team showed up. The security people start showing up. The choir starts showing up. The, the media people start showing up. 
The workers in the nursery start showing up. They're taking care of your kids for free. They're probably the only ones on the planet to take care of your kids for free except grandma. And she might do it part-time, all right? But the point is, they want those kids to know that Jesus loves them. And so they will be there when you get home and get over to wherever you're going to eat. They're going to still be over there till the last one of those thousand children leave here today. Why? Because they've saved to serve. And they're willing to give up sitting in the auditorium and enjoying the great music that we enjoy in order that those little babies can know. And some of them aren't little babies. They're 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old. We want kids to know that God loves them and wants the best for them. That's what ministry is. That's what salvation is. You find a place to serve. You don't find a place to just complain, you know. But it's not over yet today. We have a group that will serve the VIPs in a few moments. Those that will be in the Connection Center, talking to any of you who want to talk, those will help me hand out the Bibles. This afternoon at 5 o'clock, another group will be back. I mean, it's this way continually, continually. The choir will be here late Wednesday night in the orchestra getting ready for next week. Folks, let me tell you something. Don't feel sorry for them. You know what they're doing that? Because that's what God saved them to do. And they're, and they're giving their gift to the Lord. Not to us, they're giving it to the Lord and we're getting the blessings. You know, when you get around people that are blessing God, you're going to get blessed. I mean, you just get the drippings, you know. It's kind of like being at the rich man's table and Lazarus, you know. If this crumbs just fall, you are going to be blessed. If you go to the hospital next week, you're going to be visited. No, they didn't pay anybody to come see you, but we knew you were sick. One group's praying for you and other people going to visit you this week. Why? Because that's what God's called them to do. Tuesday, every one of you sign a card. There'll be people. We won't be laying hands on them. Dear God, bless all these folks here in the prayer list, you know, and, and then throw them in the garbage can. They're going to pray for every one of you. Whatever you write on that card is going to be prayed over. If it's confidential, it'll be kept confidential except for God right there. Who does all that? How do you pay all of you? Don't pay them anything. They do it because they want to do it. Here's what I'm saying to you. God saved you to serve. Have you found your place to serve? I bet if I talked to you five minutes, I could show you some place to serve. wouldn't take you 10 minutes a week. There'd be a big, big help if you simply caught on to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, my time is getting away, but I'm going to sum this up. Second Thessalonians 3.11 says, For we hear that there's some which walk among you disorderly, listen, working not at all, but are busybodies. You ever see anything on Facebook that made you sick? Now, I'm not on Facebook, all right, so I can talk about this. <laughs> I just hear about it secondhand. You wouldn't believe what went on Facebook. Without exception, that kind of junk comes from people that have no place. They don't serve. They don't come and give. They just gripe. They have the gift of criticism. That's their spiritual gift. And they just want to make sure that not only the believers know what they think about what's wrong with their church, they want the non-believers to know what they think about it so they won't ever come back again and lose their only opportunity maybe to ever get saved. But see, that's the way the church has become. I'm not fussing at you, Sagemont. We've got the best church in the world, I believe, but we're guilty of stuff like that too. All of us. You're called to minister? You're called to minister to ministers. That's a call to the ministry. The call to ministry is where you have trained people. Many of you, our deacons do this. Many on our staff do this. And they didn't go to seminary, so forth. 
But then there's the call to the ministry. Now, that's where the, that's where the qualifications get pretty tough. You know, wherever you say, I, I wrote them down over here, uh, where, where it talks about not giving too much wine, not blasphemous. Whenever we have an opportunity to look at ourselves and say, you know, we're not greedy or filthy looker, uh, looker, not a browler, not covetous, one that rules well his own household. Now that's those that are called to the ministry. These are those who are called out to proclaim the gospel. Bill Cole sings. He proclaims the gospel. David Gentiles, they're called to do that. They've been ordained to do that. They have met the qualification to do that. My call is to preach the gospel to you, all right? Now, that's a different call. That is a call that sometimes people think they're called to that when really they've been called to one of the other things because you have to, reach the call, you have to meet the qualifications. But here's my point. God never called anybody to just sit down and do nothing. He called you to serve. And when you serve, God will bless it. He will touch others and he will bless you and you will see the fruit of your labor. I threw a watermelon seed out two summers ago. My wife and I were down in South Texas. I threw a watermelon seed out somewhere or another. I was carrying out the garbage and a seed fell out of the garbage can. A few months later, she finds a watermelon. (laughs) And we were trying to figure out how in the world did a watermelon get to Demet County, Texas? right out in the middle of cactuses and all that kind of stuff. Well, we finally figured it out. Me, carrying a whole bunch of them to the garbage, one fell out. Listen, don't take your spiritual gifts to the garbage can because one may not fall out. Plant them. Get the seeds out there. Don't hide. Don't let your light be hid under a bushel. Lift it up. Let it shine. Don't go join. I'm not telling you go... Go to the seminary, but if God's called you to the ministry, you need to go to the seminary. You need to know this book. You need to study to show yourself approved unto God. But here's the point. Because you can't go to seminary doesn't mean you can't go across the street. You can't walk across the Dairy Queen and just tell somebody about Jesus. No, what you want to do is be a minister. God calls us to be ministers. When that happens, revival will come in the church and we will have a new day in our land. All of us, all of us can do this. I want you to think seriously because what we're talking about a while ago was that we, this thousand people, I can't tell you a better place to start. I really can't. Just go see what happens. When people start coming off the street, they say, what are y'all doing here? And you say, oh, we just want to be good neighbors. You know, we just feel like the Lord wants us to come over here and do this and all. And they say, I just can't believe that. And y'all are Christians and y'all are doing this. Yeah, we really are. But find a place to serve. All right.